0: Welcome to C Three Hobart online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. Slide again for me. That is so cool. That's what we. And thank you for for what Alicia did there. This is what we should be celebrating, right? Eight people got baptised here, and it's what it's such a cool slide because what I love about water baptism. Is it as indiscriminate, as you'll see up here, it is indiscriminate of age. It is indiscriminate of gender. It is indiscriminate of nationality or theological know-how. You do not have to have a masters of divinity to get water baptised. It says very clearly in the scriptures, believe and be baptised. Actually, there's this really cool story found in Acts chapter 8. I love it. Where Philip the Evangelist, who's a little bit different to Philip the Disciple, um, don't you love how their surnames? They didn't have surnames back then. Well, if they did, we didn't really know what they were. It would have been so much easier if we said Philip Smith, you know, or Philip, someone or other. But Philip the Evangelist is led by the Spirit to the desert, uh, to a desert road between Jerusalem and, and Gaza. And um, he comes across this prominent Ethiopian official. And um, let me tell you, I've, I've been on these roads. I've, I've literally stood on these roads in this area here, and they are arid, they are dry. It's not like there's little uh, oases of water just popping up everywhere. These are, are kind of places that are, are, are dry and arid places. And, and it says that Philip spent some time discipling and just being around this Ethiopian eunuch, around this, is this, this guy of prominence. And it says that the Ethiopian was so moved by someone just going through scriptures with him. By, by, by just taking some time and listening to him. By being prepared to sit with him. It says that the Ethiopian was so moved that when he saw some water by the side of the road, he ordered his carriage driver to stop and it was here that he was water baptized. And it says that he came up praising and rejoicing God. Can I tell you this? Philip did not wow him with a miracle. It says that he simply shared the good news of Jesus. I've titled this message, How Do We Handle the Truth? If you're under the age of 30, I want you to uh, quickly stand up for me. If you're under the age of 30, there's always a test, isn't it? Look at this, half our church stands up. I love it. I do this because I want to say sorry to you right now. Because over the next 15... Stay standing up for a second. I'm saying sorry to you. Receive my sorry, okay? My apologies, I'm saying to you. I'm so glad that you didn't stand up, Pete. I'm just saying. For you people here, I'm just saying to you I'm sorry because for the next 15 seconds, you're going to have no idea. You can sit down now. You're going to have no idea what I'm going to be showing you. If you are over 30, this is pure cinematic brilliance. Turn your eyes to the screen. yourself in contempt. Colonel Joseph! Did you order the Code Red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. That's it. That's my preach done. See you later. Have a great Sunday. I'll see you next week. Everyone under 30 is going, what are you talking about? Ask your parents. Ask your parents. Hey, I want to get straight into Scripture today. Um, and and I, we, we do a thing called Trash Your Bibles. This is not actually a Trash Your Bible. It's my Bible I preach out of. love preaching out of this one. And um, what we, we talk about there is it's okay to underline or to, to, to make notes next to, to, to um, some Scriptures or, or something like this. And I underline and I write in my Bible a lot. Like I'm talking a lot. Um, you know, ones like 2 Kings 7, you know, the story of Elisha. Uh, Matthew 14, where Jesus is walking on the water, Acts 2, Pentecost. There is so much writing on the side of my page and underlining that sometimes I've got to worry that I've actually gone over the text there. Um, don't, don't, don't judge me, it's okay. But the scripture I want to preach out of today was on a, on a page that was looking really fresh. I'm talking untouched. Which in reflection is probably an example of how I have at times chosen to handle the truth, which is by avoidance. If you allow it to be this, this message that I'm going to preach, this scripture that I'm going to preach out of, is very challenging. And I'll ask you the question, how deep is my faith? What matters to me? How do I handle the truth? I'm going to be reading from John chapter 6, and I'm going to attempt to get through 47 verses. So for those who didn't do your Bible readings during the week, I'm taking one for the team here. We're going to do 47 verses. And it starts with John. Oh, sorry, with Jesus dropping some truth. In fact, in the very first words, we'll get to it in a minute. In fact, in the very first words to the crowd that had followed him across the waters to a place called Capernaum, he simply says this, he says, I tell you the truth. John chapter 6, we're going to be starting at verse 22. i like to give some context for those who don't have your Bible, it comes up on the screen. I like to give context because I believe that there are people who walk in the door today for the very first time and I sit there and say, thank you, Jesus. There are people who are walking in the door today who who the scriptures, they don't understand the scriptures. And I want to say, we want to meet you where you're at. We're not here to judge. We're not here to presume anything. We want to be able to meet you where you're at. So there's some context to the scripture. In the 24 hours prior to the scripture that I'm going to preach on here, Jesus has miraculously provided a feast for a whole lot of people. I'm talking this was a fish sanger like feast like you've never seen before. 5,000 plus people, this was some sort of miracle. Verse 14, in fact, says this. Listen to this. It says, That when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, listen to this, they exclaimed, This is without a doubt. I want you to hear that. This is without a doubt the promised prophet who is to come into the world. They've just been fed. They've just had Jesus has provided for them physically. They've had fish. They've had bread. They've had so much that there's leftovers. And they, they're openly exclaiming. This is what the scripture says. It says they're openly exclaiming that this is without a doubt the King, the Messiah, the prophet. This is the one who was to come to us. Then we read that later that same day in front of fear-filled disciples, Jesus does something that's never been done before. He walks on water. And for those in the Old Testament who say that, well, all the Israelites walked on water. No, it doesn't. It says very clearly when they went through the water, their feet were dry. So Jesus is walking on water. And then he calms a raging sea, just because he can. And a little bit earlier, like when the crowd were saying, without doubt, you're the greatest. In this one here. It says that his disciples said that when he climbed back into the boat, the disciples worshipped him and said, you really are the son of God. So in the space of 24 hours, a crowd has said to him, without doubt, you are the king, the Messiah, the one we talked about. And then his closest, his disciples right next to him, it says that after he performed a miracle for them, after he calmed a natural storm that was happening in your life. Can I ask you how many times when, when, when you have a storm happening in your life, a heard, all that's happening in your life, and all of a sudden, it's like God intervenes, and you're like, "You God, you are the best, right?" Thank you, God, you are the best. And it's kind of like the disciples did this. Is that as soon as they did this, it says that they worshipped him and said, "You really are the Son of God." It's kind of like wasn't he beforehand? It says, "You really are the Son of God." In fact, if we go back even earlier, before the giant picnic in the park, it says in verse two. It says a huge crowd kept following Jesus wherever he's went. Why? Because they saw his miraculous signs. It's what the scripture says. Not because he was doing this really cool teaching. It says because they saw his miraculous signs. We're starting at verse 22. And as I said, the crowd have realized Jesus have left. They've been searching in their phones for the the app for Uber Boat. They've got a cross there. Uh, They're going to do whatever it takes to follow him. Verse 22, it says this, The next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor the disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, remember I said this at the start, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Not good morning crowd, it's I tell you the truth. And listen to what he says next. He says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Heavenly Father, I just pray for an anointing over this word, Lord God. I pray that that you will speak through this passage to us. Amen. Amen. I'm kind of guessing that Jesus didn't have a lot of sleep on the boat because his greeting probably wasn't the one that the crowd were welcoming. But this verse alone should challenge us to ask the question, are we following Jesus for what he can do for us or what he can do through us? verse 27 it goes on says this but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food spend your energy spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the son of man can give you for God the father has given me the seal of his approval they replied we want to perform God's works too what should we do jesus told them this is the only work God wants from you believe in the one He has sent. That's it. Done. Believe in the one he has sent. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of God has provided. And at this point, I'm kind of starting to feel a little bit sorry for the crowd right put yourself in this context i'm starting to feel a little bit sorry for the crowd in that they probably think they're doing the right thing you know i mean they they followed jesus halfway across the country but what jesus is saying to them is don't let your energy be burned searching for the newest fanciest most miraculous looking thing out there believe in the one he sent does that mean that everybody's got to stop and come and work for the church Nope. We can't fit you in. No, because his mission. His mission is that we go into all the world reaching people who are on a journey of faith and building strong followers of Christ. So that means you need to seek, spend your energy seeking God in the marketplace. That means you need to spend your energy seeking God in university and at school. That means that you need to spend your energy seeking God and speaking life as a mum or a dad or taking time to visit others. Verse 30. They answered. After Jesus has said all this, they answered. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? I mean, like, really? Really? 24 hours later... They walked up and their picnic baskets were empty and they ate a fair old feast. I'm sure the night before they heard about the fact that, that, that Jesus had calmed a storm and he'd walked on water. I mean, this stuff got around pretty quick. Social media was good back then too. And really? They're saying to him, show us, show us something or to prove that you're really you? I kind of get why Jesus got a little bit cranky with them. And we can read this and we think to ourselves, we are so much more spiritually advanced than this. We would never do this to you, Jesus. Let me ask a question How often do we get fed on a Sunday and forget all about it by a Monday? Didn't God do something for you today? Isn't God doing something in your life right now? Haven't you looked around and thought to yourself, man, God is doing something to the simple fact that this person is in the room here today. God is doing something here. But how often do we do this? Or well, we take it for granted, this worship that was out here, the welcome that you got on the front door, the word that is spoken into you, the offering messages is given. We look at this and we take it for granted. And, 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 and when really we just, by a Monday, we've forgotten about it. Verse 31. Wowee, I'm going to have to get through this. Verse 31. 47 verses, a lot. Verse 31. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. (laughs) I love this. Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Listen to me. This is what he's saying to them. I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you the bread, Dumbo's. Okay, he didn't say Dumbo. Maybe Maybe in Joy's version of it, it did. Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father did. Let's give respect where it is due. Let's give the respect where it is due. right? And now, but this is the best part, he says, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. I'm standing in front of you. You chased across the water to find me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. But, what you haven't, but you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. You have seen what has come out of me. I've stood in front of you. I've taught you. But yet you still haven't believed in me. In reality, this whole conversation should have finished when Jesus said, I am and the bread, and the life. Whoever comes to me will never thirst or be hungry again. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Right? But it's like we can't seem to accept this. Yeah, but God, I need your top shelf miracle tomorrow morning. I need it. Can you, like, seriously, God, just turn up for me because... Totally honest, I need your top shelf miracle tomorrow. And God's saying, I'm with you today. I'm with you right now. Yeah, sure, you've got some important things coming up and you want this and there's, there's a storm in front of you and you want me to calm the storm. I get all this, but I'm with you now. I'm not belittling anybody's situation. But can I say that God is at work in your life? Kyle spoke a brilliant message on this about three weeks ago. It's on our YouTube channel. Just go and look at it. It's called Killing the Miners. Killing the Minor Miracles. Have a look at it. It's on YouTube. Verse 37 to 47. I'm going to get through this. However, those... Those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. I love that word. For, I've never come down, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all of those He has given me, but that I should rise, raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at that last day. Verse 41, listen to this. Jesus has just spoken life into them, just said to them this. And verse 41 straight away says, Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they turned around and said, well, isn't he just Jesus? Isn't he just the son of that carpenter dude? We knew his father and his mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining, people. Stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. As it is written in the Scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I, who was sent from God, have seen Him. Verse 47, he says it again, third time in about five minutes in a conversation. He says it again, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth, world. Listen to me. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes will have eternal life. Let me ask 2,000 years later. How do we respond when faced with the truth? Thanks, Jeremy. Here's the point. The crowd, the crowd loved the miracles. They loved when God was blessing their lives. They loved what they could see and could touch. And yet when Jesus said, Hey guys, the truth is accepting that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we can snigger at the crowd and we can say, well, we would never do this. Let me re-ask that question. How do we respond when faced with the truth? For the sake of time, I'm going to skip the next few verses. It's where Jesus tries to explain them about the manna and the bread and the ancestors ate a natural provision from God. And I want to spend... A few minutes I have left on a section of scripture in my Bible is headed. Many disciples desert Jesus, and I'm not talking about having dessert with Jesus. It's not one of the dinner parties they booked into. I'm talking about a bit of scripture that showed that many of Jesus' followers. Possibly couldn't handle the truth. Verse 60 to 66 says this. Many of the disciples said, this is very hard to understand. I get that. This is hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that they were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Just let that sink in for just a minute. And the very words I've spoken to you are Spirit and our life. Some of you do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, This is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, the same crowd that had experienced the provision of food in their lives, the same crowd that it says actually followed. Jesus to the place where he gave him the provision because he had seen healings. They'd seen miracles happening. The same crowd that heard about the fact that he walked on water and calmed a natural storm in their life says this. It says, at this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. I believe those who walked away didn't do it because they didn't understand about the analogy of the bread and the, and, the, and the wine. But because the truth, the truth was that Jesus was the king. That these miracles would happen in life, but he was also the one who would get on his knees and he would wash the feet of his disciples. You see, that's truth in love. The truth in love was that he would provide for them at a time when they had none of their own. But the truth in love was that he would get on his knees. He would come as human and he would be there. And he would do the most disgusting thing known at that time in that culture. He would wash the feet. Of his disciples. And I believe that that's what caused many of them to walk away. Is that they couldn't handle the truth. That Jesus was the way. The truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father but through him. You can't get there by deeds. You can't get there by miraculous acts. You can't get there by human accomplishment. The only way to get to the Father was through the cross. I want to reread three verses that we kind of quickly went through back earlier in the chapter, and they said this. It was back in verse 26. I'm reading it from the, the Passion Translation on this one. It says, Jesus replied, Let me make this very clear. You came looking for me because I fed you by a miracle, not because you believed in me. This is scripture. And then it says, why would you strive for food that is perishable and not be passionate to seek the food of eternal life? That just grabbed me. Why am I searching for things that are perishable when he is the eternal life? It goes on and says, which never spoils. I, the son of man, am ready to give you what matters most. Not food for your belly. it says, for God the Father has destined me for this purpose. Many of you are reading ahead in your Bibles, because verse 67 says this. It says, then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked, are you also going to leave? I said at the start that This page in my Bible looked pretty clean and untouched. And it's not that I hadn't read this encounter, but I'm not sure I knew the answer to that question if Jesus asked me. Yeah, sure, I've read Peter's denial and, you know, brushed it off, puffed out the chest, all of that sort of stuff there. But what if my expectations of God didn't match what I thought? Would I leave? What if I felt let down by God? Would I leave? What if many, it says many, what if many of my mates started gossiping and speaking out against the church and walked away? Would I leave? The reason that I hadn't written on this page is because I didn't know the answer to how do I handle the truth. And let me tell you, the truth is in front of you all the time. Philip, when he met that Ethiopian, could choose to do other things. Yet what he did is he chose to speak truth in love. And they saw an an, an Ethiopian water baptize and go out of there rejoicing. We don't know what happened, but I reckon he went back to the palace and he was telling this cool story. And maybe many got saved, I don't know. Or do I change the subject when someone talks to me about church? When they ask me the hard questions of Scripture, do I judge? Or do I try and keep the peace? Or do I just walk away and think to myself, it's all too hard? Or do I let my actions show truth in love? You see, when Jesus got on his knees, that's action. He could have just said to them, He could have just said, This is what I'm going to do. This was the king. He could have just done what he wanted to do, but he let his actions speak. There is a verse 68 to this scripture. And to be honest, it has messed me up because it says, I'm paraphrasing this, but it says when many chose to leave, chose to leave, chose to leave. It says Jesus did nothing and that's messed me up. Because it flies in the face of the very preach I gave here last Sunday where I stood on the stage and said that that the shepherd would, would leave the 99 and go after the one that was lost. And he would. He would go after the one that was lost. Yet it is consistent with a father who when his son said, I am leaving, let him go. The truth is to follow Jesus is both a choice and an action. And God loved us so much that He gave us the choice to love Him back. That's love. That is love. We're not robots. We don't get to a certain age and 30, bang, Alicia, you're a Christian, done. That's your part of life, done. We, God loved us so much that he gave us the choice to love him back. Here's the thing, though. When the prodigal son chose to leave, the father didn't, and he could have, the father didn't get his hired hands and said, go and chase after that dude, would you? Bring him back to his senses. Hear what I said there? Go and get him. Bring him back to his senses. Come on. He didn't get the older brother to go and get him. I had an older brother. I ran away from home once. I got four houses down. And my dad sent my older brother on my yellow BMX. My older brother was a foot taller than me and a lot bigger. He grabbed me and said, come on, we're going home. I don't think I was that committed to running away. I'm just saying. He didn't do that. Yet I believe, the way I read the Scriptures, what I believe is that he never stopped praying for him. And the way I read the Scriptures is that the simple fact that he saw him from a long way away is the is is reality that he went to the edge of his property each time and he looked out day after day after day. Is my son coming home today? Why? Because he never stopped loving him. He never stopped loving him. And when he got home, we read that the Father didn't berate him. He embraced him. You know, we should be berated for our sins, for our brokenness, for our scum, for the things that we do to offend God on a daily basis. We should be berated, yet God embraces us. I'm going to close. I'm going to get you to stand. pastor of another fairly big church in our movements asked me, asked me a while back to spend some time on the phone with a, with a young lad who a few years back chose to walk away from church. And in my first conversation with this young man, he was angry at the church, he was angry at everything and everyone in it. Yet after a few times speaking with him, he started to share with me that he wasn't angry. He was afraid. And that there were some areas in his life at the time that he was struggling with. And when confronted with the truth, he chose to walk away. And he said to me this, he said, it was easier to walk away than to face the truth. But here's a point that he's got to. He said to me in our last conversation, he said, I chose to walk away and initially I felt like God, the church, everyone else didn't follow me. Yet it seems that at every turn, God's love was on my life. In just a moment, these guys are going to sing a song. And there's some words in that song that say, that says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. You know what? Our God desires to to place upon you His miracles, His goodness. Why? Because He loves you so much. He desires for you to succeed. He desires for these things. He is going to split the sea. I'm telling you now, those hurdles that you are facing right now, that is the promise of God. We did that whole series on yes and amen. There is promises of God that He is going to split the sea and He's going to allow you to walk right through it. It may not be the way that we look at. That but I'm telling you, he is with you all the way through it. And after that, what he's going to do, he's actually going to drown your enemies behind you. He's going to drown that problem behind you. Why? Because he loves you so much. But then the next part of this verse is this, it says, you rescued me so I could stand and say, I am a child of God. The truth is that when God sent his son to die on the cross, he didn't follow you, but he rescued you. He rescued you so that you could stand and say, I am a child of God. The miracles and the provisions are upon your life. I want to speak to the young right now, to the youth in this room. I'm telling you the miracles and provision are upon your life right now. I'm believing that in a situation now where you guys don't know what to believe. I pray regularly over our youth and our young adults because there is so much out there that you're trying to understand what is truth anymore. Can I tell you right now, guys, that he has rescued you from where you are in order that you may say, I am a child of God. And you need to stand on that promise, on that promise of God. I believe that there are some here today that have believed in God, but have never fully stepped into grasping His love for you. This is not a criticism thing, but we've, you've been chasing the miracles, and it's kind of like, yeah, you get that one. It's like, "Yeah, I'm okay for the next week, I'm good for this." But like you didn't come through on this one, so uh, I'm a little bit worried about this. Can I tell you he rescued you so you could stand and say, "I am a child of God." I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer. And then I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Because it says in this scripture here that many deserted him. Many walked away when they were faced with the truth. The cross is confronting, but it's the truth. The cross is very confronting, it's the truth. So, after I pray this prayer, it's a prayer that you've heard me pray before. These guys have asked her just to sing to us. That if you want to say in your life, maybe for the first time, or maybe it's you've done it before, but you just feel like today is the day, that you just say, you know what? I'm, when I'm faced with the truth, I don't want to walk away from it, I want to walk to it. I want to walk to the cross. I want to walk to the cross. When I'm faced with the truth in my life right here, I have a choice in my life. I have a choice whether I want to leave and turn and walk away or I have a choice whether I want to come to you. There's nowhere in the scriptures where it says, you can't come to me unless you're perfect and you've got all of this stuff sorted out in your life. It says, come to me, you broken the way you are. You back here, you have a choice. When you are confronted with the choice right now, you can say, I can walk away or I can walk to the cross and so if that's just there's been a message that's been spoken over you today after I pray this prayer and after these guys start singing I'm going to encourage you just if you want to just walk to the cross as an act of saying you know what I'm walking to the cross I'm walking to the truth I'm accepting the truth no longer am I walking away you might just walk up and you might walk back that's okay you may walk you may want to come and get on your knees you can do whatever you want it's your journey with this. It's your journey with this. Let me, let me pray. I want to pray this prayer. God, I surrender to you. I surrender to you today and I place my faith in. In your Son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior, I am sorry for my rebellious ways and my selfish choices. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from my wrong. I I turn away from sin and I turn to you, God. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior and as my provider. I believe that he lived, he died, he rose again, so that I may have the gift of eternity with you. Thank you for your provision in my life." Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for joining us today at See Through Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message, or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, seethroughhobart.org.au. See you next time.